Good, good, good. So we're in a new year. Happy New Year, everybody. Is anybody a little sleepy, a little tired, stayed up too late? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. So, so we, we made it, people. We made it to 2023. Uh, I don't know if you're anything like me, but I feel like 2022 went by really fast. Uh, I felt like I was just kind of getting used to writing it uh, when I do write in pencil or pen. And uh, now I have to switch to 2023, so it's going to take me halfway through this year to get that right. But I, 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 I'm, I'm really excited for this new year. I love newness, right? I love when things are new. And I don't know about you, but I've had a lot of newness in this past year. Um, I've had a lot of new people that I've met. I've, I've made a lot of new friends, and I've, I've connected with a lot of new people and made new relationships, and I've had new difficulties, I've struggled with a lot of things that I never thought that I would have to struggle with. I've been faith, faced with situations that I never thought that I would be in, and it's been difficult sometimes this past year. I've, I've, I've engaged in a lot of new experiences. I've experienced things that I never thought. I've seen things that I'd never seen before. But there's one thing uh, through this past year that has really kind of... Uh, kind of gripped me a little bit. It's, it's grabbed a hold of me, and, and I wish, uh, I, God has revealed a lot of things to me in 2022, but I wish that I could make this some spiritual thing that has really grabbed my heart, but it's not. It's, um, has anybody heard of disc golf before? Yeah? Yeah, we, hear, we, got, the, we got the people. So, so I have been, in, I was introduced to disc golf, the sport of disc golf, this past year. And uh, I, I don't know if, if you've never, maybe you have some type of background with disc golf. Maybe you have some experience with it. You've seen the, the baskets all around Valley Park. You're like, what in the world are those things? Uh, yeah, people are crazy enough to walk through the woods and throw pieces of plastic at those things. Uh, I'm one of those people. Maybe you've almost been hit by somebody at Valley. It definitely was not me. But there's... People maybe know about disc golf. If you don't know about disc golf at all, though, I kind of want to give you a brief little, it, it, this is an elevator pitch of disc golf. Um, there is a place where you throw from, and there is a place where you are aiming to, right? And the whole point of disc golf is you, it, once you take away all that, I could get up here and explain to you the discs and what they do and why they do it and how you should throw them and all of this stuff that I really don't know a lot of myself, but the whole point of disc golf is to aim for chains. There are chains in these baskets. And what happens is you throw this Frisbee and, and if you hit the chains, it's supposed to catch your disc, right? These chains, they, the, the, the disc will smack into them and it captures your disc and brings it into the basket and that's how you score. It's a lot like golf. This is disc golf, right? I've been captured by this sport. And I think that it's interesting, and, and if, you, if you know me at all, you know how my brain works, and it's a little weird uh, sometimes. And, and so I was thinking about this. Pastor Andy came, and he was like, you know what, I, I would love for you to speak on the first. Do you want to speak on the first? I was like, I would love to. And he brought up this word, him and, and some other people when we were playing, and they brought up this word, Freedom. Freedom is what they brought up. And, and, and I think it's really interesting because the, the whole idea of these chains, right, um, is to catch a disc when you think of it in terms of disc golf. But we're going to read a passage this morning that's going to kind of, I think we've gotten too comfortable with certain things, that these were once used to talk about bondage and slavery and containing something and holding something back and restricting something. And we've 
taken it to where we can actually view it as a game and we can have fun with it and we can play with it. And here's what I wanna do, church, this morning is I wanna have us take a look at the things that we're comfortable with in our life. That's all I wanna do. I think that it begs the new year that we do that. We're gonna be in Exodus 16 this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. I'm gonna give us kind of a little brief synopsis before we get there uh, to give you some context as to where we've come from. So in Exodus 16, we have kind of taken part of uh, watching a experience where the Israelites have been freed, right? They've, they've been given freedom from Egypt. And so what we're coming into is the Israelites have been in slavery. They've been in captivity in Egypt. Uh, for, Scripture says, around 215 years. This is what I would call generational slavery. There is no one, there is no one alive in these people, in, in, in God's chosen people, in the Israelite community, there is no one that is alive that has experienced freedom. And I would imagine that they potentially don't even understand or really comprehend what the word freedom actually means. I'm sure they may know it, but they don't have an understanding of what it is. And, and I think it's important that I say this before we go any further, is what ended them up there? What ended them up in slavery? It wasn't like the Egyptian army came out and just attacked them and, and pulled them in and made them all slaves. There was a famine. There was a famine across the land, and they were saying, listen, we have to go and we have to find food, and we can find it in Egypt. So they went to Egypt, and they were enslaved when they got to Egypt. They were put in captivity and they were, they were used as slaves and they were treated poorly. And this happened for 215 years. And then God comes to Moses and he gives them a promise. He said, I'm gonna lead you into the promised land. I'm gonna free you from the, Egypt, from the Egyptians. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna free you and I'm gonna send you into the promised land. It's a land full of milk and honey and, and it's, it's plentiful and I'm gonna send you there. And Moses comes out and tells these people and, and, and they trust him and they know that God's given them a promise and they trust God kinda we're gonna get into this in Exodus 16 verse 3 says the Israelites said to them if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt there we sat around with pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted but you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death pretty upset they're pretty upset and obviously they're pretty hungry these are two real things that we can understand we can understand being disappointed we can understand being hungry they've been wandering in the desert right and and you we would think they're acting like this and they're they're saying this to the person that God has given a promise to and they're trusting they're saying this and they're complaining about Moses and Aaron you think they've been wandering for years, right? They've just been wandering in this desert. I want us to all understand something. If you look back up in chapter, or in, in chapter 16, if you look towards the beginning, it says that they'd only been gone from Egypt halfway through the second month. 45 days. They had been out of slavery for 45 Five days. They could. They maybe still had the marks on their wrists of the chains that held them back. They still had the marks on their ankles. They could probably hear the sound of the chains that held them. You see in the scripture, they said, "We just want to go back. 
We just wanna go back to where we were. It doesn't matter that we were in chains. It didn't matter that we were treated poorly. We had food. We just want something to eat. We wanna satisfy this craving that we have. We just want food. I think there was a word that they didn't understand and it's the word that we're gonna talk about a little bit this morning and that's freedom. God had set them free. He had freed them and they were on their way to the land that God had promised and all they could think about was we wanna go back, we're hungry. I think that they really didn't grasp freedom because they didn't really, like I said, understand it. They didn't understand freedom. Can't we understand this though? We can understand this, even, even if we don't really realize that we can understand this. There's a lot of things that we're willing to go back to because we feel empty. There's a lot of things that we refuse to break chains with to allow God to break them because we're afraid that we might get hungry again and we might need to go back. I'm not talking about a worldly hunger. Maybe I am, maybe, maybe that's it for you is you just have this worldly hunger that comes up inside of you and, you, and, and, and it's why we end up in the situations that we end up in. Maybe for you, it's a spiritual hunger. You wake up every morning, you say, God, there's gotta be more for my life. Are you chasing what you think God has more for your life? Or are you willing to sit in this, God can't use me? God can't use me, he's used me enough. I don't have what it takes. I think church that God wants us, just like he wanted the Israelites, he wants us to experience freedom. I, 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 need, I need to make sure that we hear this, that God wants us to experience freedom. And I don't just mean being in the best country of America, freedom. I mean spiritual freedom that sets you free from all of these. Amen. That sets you completely free from those things that wanna pull you back, from those things that you think you need, from those things that you think will satisfy you. He wants you to be free. And what better time to talk about freedom than on a brand new, fresh, clean slate? He wants us to experience freedom. But I think there's a couple things, uh, I think there's a lot of things maybe that the Israelites were wrestling with when they said what they said in, in Exodus 16.3, but I think there's a couple things that the Israelites were dealing with um, that, I think are really understandable for us. They're really relatable for us. And these are just the two things that God has kind of revealed to me that, that I think the Israelites struggled with that we can learn from um, in order to experience true freedom in our, life, in our life. And the first thing that I think that the Israelites struggle with a lot is familiarity. I think that they struggled with familiarity a lot. They had no idea what they were headed toward. They'd been told it's a land of milk and honey. They were told it was, it was gonna be great and it was freedom, but they'd never experienced it. Moses had been told and he'd, he'd explained this to all of them, but, but church, we, we, I think, sometimes struggle with familiarity a lot too. That's why we end up with that X that we say is no good for us. 
It's why we end up in the situations where we open our eyes and we come to and we say, oh my gosh, how did I get here again? It's why we fall back into those habits that just tighten and tighten and tighten. We wanna go back to what's familiar. We wanna go back to what seems like it makes sense. And I, I, can, I can totally relate to these Israelites because I know there's been times in my life where God has taken me somewhere and I'm like, listen, God, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm, I'm just not, I'm just, I'm just don't know what's going on. And I don't see anything that looks familiar. I don't have anything that I can hold on to. And God, I just, I just don't, feel, I don't feel good. And the word that keeps coming to my mind and maybe the word that keeps coming to your mind is the second thing that the Israelites struggled with because with familiarity also comes comfortability. They were walking in the desert. I'm sure there's a lot of y'all that like the beach, but I specifically will not go to the beach, not because it's hot, not because I don't know how to swim, but because I hate sand. It gets everywhere and then you can't get it out of anywhere. They were probably miserable walking in the desert. It's hot. They weren't comfortable. And listen, I know, I know y'all know what this word is, but uh, y'all have known my wife. If you don't know my wife, she's right down there. She's beautiful. And uh, she is the, the best thing that's ever happened to me. And I love her so much, but there's, y'all probably look at her and you're like, oh, she's so sweet. Like she's docile and and she's, you know, she's just so timid. And, but y'all have never, ever seen this girl hungry. And everybody knows what hangry means, but it takes on a different form when she's hungry. They were hungry and they're hangry. They're probably talking out the side of their head, not understanding what they're saying because they're hungry. We all love to be comfortable. We love to have comfort, right? It's why we buy nice shoes. It's why we buy comfortable furniture. It's why we buy comfy cars with nice seats. It's why we save for the future. We wanna be comfortable. And don't hear what I'm not saying, please. Being comfortable is not a sin. But I think that the enemy can use comfort to make us feel like we don't need to be moving forward. I think that we can get stuck in a rut and we can say comfortable, but what we really mean is that we're just stalled out. There are times where I lay on the couch and I'm comfortable, but it actually is just because I'm lazy. I think we all struggle and we all can understand familiarity and comfortability, uncomfortability, but I think that both of those things come from one source. I think they both came from one thing. And what I think it came from is that the Israelites just lost hope. They simply just lost hope. When they started out, I can imagine it's, 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 they were ready to go and they ran and they threw those chains off and they threw those shackles down and they took off running for freedom. But it's understandable that they lost hope. It's totally understandable. They didn't think that it would take this long. They didn't think that it would be this hard. Some of them didn't think, maybe they're saying, I'm not strong enough. 
I didn't think it would be like this. And they lost hope. Hebrews 6, 19, I love this verse. It says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Firm and secure is this anchor of hope. Their lives were in literal wander. They were wandering around. And I can imagine that that they're being tossed about by their emotions and their feelings and their hunger. And they were willing to risk everything that God had promised to them just to fill their stomachs. They were willing to risk everything because of emotions, because of feelings. They were willing to make an impulse decision. I don't know about you, but that's pretty relatable. And if there's anything that I think that I personally, I'm talking to me, that I need in this year is hope. I need a fresh fill up of hope and and trust that God is still on his throne. I think what we need to hear this morning is that with, with a loss of hope, I need you to understand that we're not alone. If you feel this way that you've lost hope, you're not alone. We see it with the Israelites just wanting to go and get fed. We see it with Paul writing to the Hebrew church and saying, listen, just have hope. Just hold on to this hope. I think the difference is what we place our hope in. It's what we place our hope in. I love Hebrews 6, 19 because I love the visual. I love visuals. I'm a, I'm a big visual learner. And, and I love this idea of an anchor because I know what an anchor does. I don't really know how it works, but I know what it does. You drop it over and it goes into the ocean floor and it catches and a little small anchor, I say small, an anchor can hold a giant cruise ship in the craziness of the, of the ocean, it can hold a cruise ship still. What are we placing our hope in? What are we placing our hope in? Because listen, if, if we have our hope as an anchor, then that means that we're standing firm on God's promises. We're standing firm on his truth. We're trusting that he is still on his throne, that God is above all and for all and in all and with all, and that never fails. That's an anchor that we can hold true to. But I also know what a rubber ducky is. Everybody does, right? We're with kids, we're with parents. Parents, y'all got probably 40 billion of them in your bathtub. Rubber duckies, right? They, they go with the flow and they are, they're, they're messed about by the waves. And when you put them in water, if the water's calm, they'll maybe stand still. But as soon as there is something that happens, that rubber ducky starts to move. And it starts to be swayed by the ocean. It starts to be swayed by the waves. It starts to move in whatever way it's pushed. This is when we put our hope in that person that we think will complete us. That's what happens when we put our hope in something that is not God. That's what happens when we put our hope in our bank account. That's what happens when we put our hope in our job that can fire us at a moment's notice. This is what happens when we don't have a solid anchor. We're pushed about by the wind and the waves and life and fights with our friends. 
This is what happens when we don't have that anchor. It's a new year. Church, it's a new year. You have a, you have a clean slate. You can essentially make the year yours, right? That's what we hear. Make it yours. You got this year. You can do it. Make this year the best year ever. When's the last time that someone consulted God about their New Year's resolution? I, I, I wonder this because I hear the word resolution and, and I think about it. And I, so we're getting ready to go through the Bible in a year. And so maybe if you haven't gone through the Bible, then I'm gonna give you a spoiler alert and I'm so sorry. God wins. He has already resolved everything. And, and I, I could come up here and I could put on the screen resolution statistics and how most of them end by February and that, that the, you know, come, come halfway through the year, there's more healthy food in the store, there's less people in the gym, there's all of, there's less people walking, there, there's all of this stuff. I could give you those statistics. But church, God's already resolved everything. And he knows your life. He knows what you're going to do. He has it planned out for you. Before you were knit in your mother's womb, he had this out, he's already resolved it. What if we made a commitment this year? What if we stopped playing with all this worldly stuff of, ooh, I'm gonna resolve to work out more. What if we just worked out with God? What if we stayed in scripture? What if we used this? If you need hope, it's not gonna be in the dumbbells, it's in the Bible. If you're looking for freedom, it's in here. It's not in how healthy you eat. I'm not saying that all of those things are bad, but if you're looking for this year to try to make it your own, make it God's. It's God's year. It's God's day. It's God's yesterday. It's God's tomorrow. It's God's next year. It is God's year. Give it to him. What would it look like if we committed to God this year? What would it look like in our lives, what would it look like? And, and, and I, I really wanna ask you this because I think that this is a great time to think about this as we're going in. If you, what, what do you want this year to look like? Do you want it to look like more of the same? Where you make these resolutions and halfway through you realize, ah, I can't do it. And then that just starts a cycle of not being good enough. It starts this cycle of I couldn't do this, I couldn't stay with this, so who says I can stay with this? What if we made a commitment to God this year? What if we chose the people that are sitting beside you, the people that are in your home groups, the people that are in your community, your friend circles? What if we, what if we made a commitment to spend intentional time with God? It's a shameless plug. We've already said it. We're going through the Bible in a year. We, you, don't, you technically don't have to do anything except show up. We don't encourage it. We encourage you to have this out every day and learning if you wanna spend time with God, spend time in his word. But we've set it up, we've set it up on a tee for you to just hit a home run, show up, commit to God this year to be in his word, to know what he wants for your life. I'm telling you, there's, there's, there's chains on people. We, we, we know this sound and we know what it is because it's so familiar. God wants us to be free. He wants us to be free and to experience freedom. Let's pray. God, we thank you 
God, for your word. God, your truth. And God, your love for us that's so deep that you sent your son so that our futures can be secure, our eternity can be secure. God, and you gave us the hope that your son came and that he will come again. God, help us to make this year look different. God, help us to commit. God, to your word, to your promise, to your truth, to your journey, God. This isn't our year, this is your year. God, we love you and we pray that you be in this time of worship. God, that you would let chains fall and you would replace them with your mercy, with your grace. It's in your son's name we pray, amen. Let's stand and worship. Unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemy till all my fear are gone. I'm alone.
much for joining us. Happy New Year. Great place to be with you guys this morning. We'll see you right here next Sunday. Have a great week, everybody.